0: Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. I believe that God is looking for men and women of integrity today more than ever. Our world needs people of integrity, and Joseph is a great example of a person of integrity. Joseph, of course, is Jacob's favorite son, He's blue-eyed boy. And everyone knew it. Jacob has this outrageous designer jacket made to fit for Joseph. And his brothers can see the favoritism in full color. One day Joseph goes out to check up on his brothers and he comes back and tells his father that they've been slacking on the job. As a result, his brothers don't have a kind word to say about Joseph. And you can't really blame them. He's a spoiled brat and a telltale. And then there were his dreams. Hey guys, I had this dream. We were all tying bundles of weed together, and then my bundle stood up tall, and your bundles formed a circle around mine and bowed down to it. What do you think that means? Oh, and guys, I had another dream. This time, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down to me. What do you think that means? It's one thing to dream barely concealed allegories about your brothers and mother and father bowing down to you, but it's another thing altogether to tell everybody as soon as you wake up. And his brothers can smell the prospect of their younger, spoiled brother ruling over them. And they become jealous and they have resentment and hatred. On another occasion, Jacob sends Joseph to go and check up on his brothers while they're tending the sheep. And his brothers spot him a mile off, largely thanks to his amazing Technicolor dream coat, And they plan to kill him. Soon as he arrives, they jump him, they rip off his coat, and they throw him into an empty cistern, which is effectively just a a dungeon in the ground. Then they notice a convoy of Ishmael-like traders making their way to Egypt. So they decide, rather than killing him, they'll make a quick profit. By selling him as a slave. After all, they reason, he is our brother. And that's what they do. They sell him as a slave, they take his fancy coat, they rip it up, they cover it in goat's blood, and they present it to their father, and they say, this is what we found in the field. Is this Joseph's? And they deceive Jacob into believing that his favorite son has been devoured By a wild animal. And this is where we pick up our reading in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Potiphar buys Joseph as a slave. Now, Potiphar is an extremely high ranking official in Egypt. He is the captain of Pharaoh's guards. And we read in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in, the eyes, in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. It doesn't take long before Potiphar realizes he's got a bargain. That Joseph is truly talented. And he quickly promotes Joseph to being his personal attendant. And then he promotes him to being head of the whole household. The whole estate. And we read in verse 5. From the time he put him in charge... Of the household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. As soon as Potiphar has made Joseph head of the whole household, everything begins to prosper. It's as if Joseph has the magic touch. But Joseph is not merely talented. He is also trustworthy. And we read in verse 6. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Joseph was a person of integrity. Pharaoh trusted Joseph with everything. I mean, Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything. Potiphar didn't have to check up on Joseph. Potiphar didn't care or concern himself with anything except what's for dinner. Joseph seems to have matured through his enslavement. He's no longer the spoiled brat, but he's a, a man of integrity and he's a man of God. In verses 2 through to 6, we have a recurring phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. And it's because of God being with Joseph that Joseph was successful. You see, there's a link between God's presence and God's blessing. And what we discover over here is that God's blessing is not dependent on favorable circumstances, but God's blessing is dependent on one's relationship with God. Even Potiphar recognizes that Joseph's success is because of God's presence in his life. A couple of things to take note of is Joseph's success benefited didn't benefit Joseph as much as it benefited Potiphar. Joseph was still a slave. Joseph had still been wronged. Joseph was still a victim. Yet God uses that experience in order to transform Joseph into the kind of person he created Joseph to be. You see, God is more concerned about your character than He is about your comfort. And when we have setbacks and when we have hardships, we need to acknowledge that God is with us. And that God can use that experience to develop our character, to bless us, and to bless others Through us. So don't waste your setbacks and your hardships in life because God wants to use them to develop your integrity. We then read at the end of verse 6 Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Now, let's get this straight from the start. Joseph is a very good looking guy. He is well built. He is handsome. He is talented. He's a natural born leader. He probably even has a good singing voice. I mean, he is Mr. Perfect. She is a desperate housewife. You probably could make a TV series on something like this. And she tempts him to come to bed with her. What we discover over here is no one is immune from temptation. Even this great man of God is exposed to temptation, and we all will experience temptation in one form or another. It might not be sexual temptation. It might be the temptation to spend more than we have, the temptation to lie or cheat, the temptation to manipulate other people and circumstances, to discard someone else's character. We all face temptations. But we also discover over here that it's possible to be a person of integrity and to overcome temptation. You know how easy it would have been for Joseph just to have given in? How easy it would have been for him to say, Why not? No one will know. I'll only do it this one time. I deserve a break. No one will get hurt. And it actually might be beneficial to me to have an affair with my boss's wife, as she might give a a, boss on a good word for me. You see, it's so easy to justify ourselves, and it's so easy to give in to temptation. Yet Joseph shows us that it's possible to be a person of integrity. And he says in verse 8, But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Joseph realizes that if he goes to bed with her, he would be violating his master's trust. And he continues, because you are his wife, it would be a violation of the sacred bond of marriage. He continues, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? It would be a violation against God. And there's a lot we can learn from Joseph in how to overcome temptation. Firstly, he simply refuses. He doesn't entertain the thought. He doesn't flirt around with the idea. There is no debate. And it seems as though he has resolved in advance not to sin. He seems to have a rehearsed answer. And we too need to resolve in advance not to sin. Secondly, he knows that it is simply wrong. It is wrong even if he doesn't get caught. It is wrong even if other people are doing worse things. It is wrong even if other people think it's okay. He knows that it will be violating his master's trust, it will be violating the sacred bond of marriage, and it will be a violation against God. Don't deceive yourself. When we sin, people do get hurt. People will find out. And God will know. You see, our true character is revealed in what we do in secret. When only God is watching. Thirdly, we discover that overcoming temptation is not a one-off thing, but it's a day-by-day battle. Verse 10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Overcoming temptation is a day-by-day battle. As soon as you think, oh, I've overcome temptation, that is when you are at your most vulnerable. And that's when you will fall. It's a day-by-day battle. Fourthly, he takes drastic actions to avoid temptation. At the end of verse 10 he says, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. He takes drastic action to avoid temptation, to avoid, avoid being anywhere near her. Sometimes it's impossible to avoid temptation. And we read in verse 11, One day he went into the house to attend his duties. He had to go and attend his duties. And none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. She literally grabs his cloak and refuses to let go. So what he does is he simply takes his cloak off and he runs away. And when temptation grabs hold of us, we need to run the other way. We need to take drastic actions to avoid temptation. Joseph is a man of integrity. But being a person of integrity is costly. Soon as Potiphar's wife has been rejected, her love quickly turns to hatred. And she falsely accuses Joseph of trying to rape her and her evidence, his cloak which she claims he took off and left there when he tried to rape her. And we read in verse 19, when his master heard the story his wife had told him, saying, this is how the slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. This is the second time that Joseph has been an innocent victim and thrown into prison. And this is the second time that Joseph's cloak has been used to deceive other people. It was used to deceive Jacob into believing Joseph was dead. And now it's been used to deceive Potiphar into believing that Joseph was a rapist. And it seems... Utterly unjust. Joseph did the right thing. He should be rewarded, not punished. But this is reality. For many people, when they have done the right thing, when they have acted with integrity, have lost the business deal, have lost the contract, or have even lost their job. Doing the right thing takes courage. It's so easy to follow the path of least resistance, but it takes courage to be more concerned about what God thinks than what other people think. Being a person of integrity is costly, but ultimately it is rewarding. We read at the end of verse 20, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Again, twice we're told that the Lord was with Joseph. Although no one else knew the truth, God knew. And because of Joseph's integrity, God continues to bless Joseph. Joseph becomes the head of the prison just as he had been the head of Potiphar's house. And ultimately, it's through Joseph's experience in prison that he gets the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And a result of that is that Pharaoh actually places Joseph in charge of the whole of Egypt. Although being a person of integrity was initially costly, ultimately, it was very rewarding. Now, of course, that doesn't mean if you are a person of integrity, you're going to end up being the prime minister. But it does mean that you will experience the peace of knowing that you did the right thing. You will experience the peace of knowing that God is pleased with you. And God will ultimately reward you in His own way. But what happens when we fall into temptation? I mean, let's be honest. We have all fallen into temptation in one form or another. Perhaps it was sexual temptation. Perhaps it was being economical with the truth, lying. Perhaps it was manipulating others, cheating. Doesn't matter what it is, we've all made mistakes. We're all human. I certainly cannot stand here and say to you that I have not fallen into temptation. There have been many times I wish I could have gone back and redo things, do it differently. But I can't. It's only by the grace of God that I can stand before you today and preach the sermon. So what do we do when we fall into temptation? Well, firstly, we need to come before God and say we're sorry. We need to confess that we have made a mistake that we are a work in progress. And there's really good news in John, 1 John, chapter 1 and verse 9 says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, our sin has been dealt with. God not only forgives us, but He purifies us. He washes away our guilt. He makes us new again, as though we had never done anything wrong. Therefore, come back to God again and again. Secondly, we need to confess our sin, our mistake to the person we've wronged. And we need to do everything we can to make it right, to seek reconciliation with them. This is difficult. This will take courage. But it needs to be done. Thirdly, we need to resolve to be a person of integrity. We need to aspire to be a Joseph. So often we, we tell ourselves that we can handle the situation. That no one needs to know. That we can sort it, solve it. But we can't. We need help. We need to pray that God will empower us with His Holy Spirit. Because it's only by the presence of God being with us that we will be able to be people of integrity in a world of temptation. I believe God is looking for people who He can trust. I believe God is looking for men and women of integrity. Do you want to be that person of integrity? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that so often we have got it wrong. And Father, we confess that it's only by your grace, your goodness, your forgiveness, that we can stand before you. And Father, we thank you so much. And we declare, as that song said earlier, how marvelous, how wonderful is the love of our Savior. Who loved us so much that he was prepared to die for us whilst we were still sinners. To restore us, to cleanse us, to redeem us. To give us new life. Father, we can't thank you enough for that. Father, it is our desire to be a person of integrity. To, to be a Joseph. But Father, we confess we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit empowering us. Your presence upon us to enable us to be the person You have called us to be. Holy Spirit, won't you fall afresh upon us again this morning? Inspire us to be a Joseph. Empower us to be a person of integrity. Help us to always live in the light. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.